Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Under the 1906 Antiquities Act, U.S. presidents have the power to unilaterally create national monuments. President Obama used this power most recently in March to add some 1,600 acres to the California Coastal National Monument. Representative Rob Bishop's Ensuring Public Involvement in the Creation of National Monuments, or EPIC Act, H.R. 1459, which recently passed the House of Representatives, would, among other things, require national monument declarations to undergo a review under the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA. It would also limit such declarations to no more than one per state during a four-year presidential term. The Salt Lake Tribune editorial board laments passage of this bill, saying that, uh, at least in the House, saying time for a public review of future piece of land public land is before it's forever destroyed, not before it's set aside. That H.R. 1459 uh, would uh, wants to make it nearly as difficult to create a national monument as it is to permit a coal mine. The Deseret News editorial board lauds the move, saying that it's a small step but a good one, adding that they even prefer earlier proposals that would have required a president to seek public input from those affected as well as the governor and congressional delegation of a state. We're going to uh, take a look at H.R. 1459 with, uh, later in the program, uh, Tim Wagner from the Sierra Club. We'll also be talking with retired BLM official Dennis Willis and State Representative Mike Noel, Republican of uh, Kanab. Right now we bring in uh, Representative uh, Rob Bishop. Congressman, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. Appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us. By the way, the uh, number to call us is 1-800-826-1495. We'd love to get your perspective. You can join us to, by email to upraxis at gmail.com or on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. Congressman, uh, perhaps first you could uh, outline, in your view, the, the problem with status quo, the president's current unilateral power to create the national monuments. So this is what you're addressing with your bill. Well, yeah, the, the original act over 108 years old, and it was at a time when there were very few environmental laws, and most there meant much of the country was still in territorial status, which meant that there was an emergency situation that needed to be. So almost all the time the president originally used this act, it was dealing with areas that were in territorial status. Uh, in recent times, though, everything has kind of morphed, so it is no longer necessarily used by a president simply to protect something that is endangered. It has now become a political tool that is almost used as a as a gotcha effort to make something of a public statement, not necessarily to preserve things. So what we're trying to do here is saying, look, because many of these things are done without much input and we find problems with them that develop after the fact. And uh, even 20 years later, we still have problems in how to deal with the Grand Staircase Escalante. But there were issues with, like, the Harriet Tubman uh, Declaration, which I kind of like the idea. But the President's Declaration said it was 11,000 acres. The Park Service says, no, it's 25,000 acres. We found out all sorts of private property and holdings. All of that stuff should have been worked out before the designation was made. What we simply decided to do is allow the President to keep the power to do it, but make sure that he has to have public input before the decision is made and before his announcement is made. So go through the NEPA process, which Congress has to do in open process, and every other government agency has to do. It's only the president that can get to skip that step, and it's not necessarily being helpful when he does. second thing is we realize sometimes there may indeed be an emergency situation, and if there is, we give him the power to make an emergency declaration less than 5,000 acres, and it can last for three years, a 
at which time Congress has to respond to it, or it reverts back to the status in which it was. I understand that you, you place some limitation of uh, what, one per uh, four-year term? Yeah, the desire was to make sure that the president clearly identifies what he is going to do and takes it very seriously so he looks forward uh, and into that effort. Hmm. Uh, so as you see, you, you've, you've seen some... Pro- yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so you've seen, uh, you've outlined a couple of these, you've, you've seen some problems, some abuses by presidents uh, of, of this, this power. Well, it's clearly changed into something that preserves something that is in jeopardy. And in fact, the Antiquities Act insists that there are three criteria that have to be met. Uh, one, you have to identify the subject matter to be preserved. Number two, it has to be in peril. And number three, it has to be in the smallest footprint possible. And when they were talking about that act, they were talking about two to 300 acres. All three of those have been ignored, or parts of them have been ignored, in many of the recent uh, enactments. So once again, all that stuff could be worked out if you simply trust the people and allow them to have input before the action of the president takes place. We have this uh, post on our Facebook page. Uh, you can post as well, Utah Public Radio Facebook page. You can join us at 1-800-826-1495 as well, or to our email, upraxis at gmail.com. We're lock- talking about uh, H.R. 1459, proposed by uh, Representative Rob Bishop. This is past the House of Representatives, moves now over to the Senate, uh, which would uh, place some limitations on the president's current unilateral power to create national monuments. This is what Scott Bushman says. Congressman, I'll have you respond to this. Uh, he says, I cannot support this bill. It suggests public involvement, but in truth, I believe it will subjugate the process to petty local politics and corporate interests, all at the expense of what Theodore Roosevelt termed the greater good. This bill threatens our ability to protect our last best wild places. These lands belong to all Americans. These are national public lands. Ezra Taft Benson, former Secretary of Agriculture, once commented public lands should be managed in the public interest. Congressman Scott's uh, point that he, he believes that this will uh, this will impair the the opportunity to uh, protect our last best wild places. Um, those comments I think are well-meaning, but they are totally inaccurate. What this bill simply does is say the president must get public input before he makes his decision. You can't do this as a surprise and jump it on people then dump it on people. Uh, it doesn't stop anything. It doesn't preclude anything. It doesn't uh, make anything more difficult. If if the if the Department of Interior was to make a recommendation, they have to go through the NEPA process. The president should as well. And once again, uh, what they're talking about is land that already exists in the federal. It's already federal land. It has some element of protection on it. You're not taking any of that away. You're just simply saying the people who will be impacted by these designations have the right to give some input ahead of time. And like I said, the president is the only entity in the federal executive branch that doesn't have to do that now, and there is no reason he ought not to. There is no reason to cut out public input, um, which actually makes this the most modest approach that anyone could have with the Antiquities Act, and it's a pretty defensible one. It's very difficult to argue the president should not consult people before he acts. Mm-hmm. That is counterintuitive. Uh, under the current law, it's it's my understanding that uh, the president can, of course, unilaterally designate a monument, but afterwards uh, Congress can come in and uh, change the boundaries, uh, can even abolish that national monument. 
Congress theoretically has the right to do any of that. It's an extremely difficult act to do, extremely difficult process to do. And what you're trying to do is fix things after the fact. That's, that's backwards. You should make sure that you fix things before the act and make them right the first place, not try to come back and, and revisit that issue over and over again. And there are some limitations of what Congress can do. Now, the irony is there are some states where the president does not have this authority. He cannot designate anything in Alaska, and he can't designate anything in Wyoming. And, in fact, uh, the, the lead Democrat on our, on our, on our committee uh, introduced a piece of legislation that would prohibit him from doing that in his district. So there are some places where those limitations already uh, are much more draconian than this bill would be. Uh, now, one argument uh, <clears throat> that I've heard in, in favor of the president's uh, current power is, uh, of course, Congress could, could create a national monument, I suppose, uh, but, uh, you know, there's gridlock, and uh, that's not happening at a, at a very fast pace. Well, once again, not necessarily true, but partially true. Uh, for instance, he has the last one he did in California was actually something, once again, we support because the House did pass it, and it was held up over in the Senate, which must be embarrassing for you know, having two Democrat senators who can't get the bill through the Democrat Senate. He did the same thing in Colorado with uh, a monument that he declared in which the House had already passed it, but once again, the Senate did hold it up. So some of that is actually true. But there are other elements in which Congress has indeed acted and acted very recently. But the difference is when Congress does it, it has to go through an open process. We have to have hearings. We have to get the input. And that's, that's the, the key element that is missing when a president simply does a declaration. He does not. And in fact, sometimes he is prohibited by policy from the kinds of input and requests that he can make on it. Congressman, I don't, I don't know what uh, reaction you, you've gotten, but at, at least uh, here in Utah, what, what I'm hearing is that this has been a very hot topic. And I think that goes into... Uh, you know, any time you uh, talk about land in the West, it's it's going to be a hot topic. And uh, this this bill, it seems to me, it could be sort of a Rorschach test. It depends on where you're coming in your overall philosophy about, uh, about land use. Well, what I've seen is there is a lot of misinformation that was out there about what the bill did. I was told it would stop national parks. It has nothing to do with it. I told it would stop national monuments being created. It has nothing to do with it. Usually people uh, made a quick judgment on what the bill did not do. And when they realized the only thing we're requiring is the president to get public input before he makes his final decision, most of the response has been, oh, well, that seems reasonable enough. But there has been a whole lot of misinformation that has been directed by several special interest groups that uh, is, is to me amazing because it has nothing to do with what the bill is actually attempting to do. Now, the part of conservationists, uh, they're worried, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard from them and can understand the point of view that uh, they're worried if we don't protect certain lands and, and you know, maybe overreaching sometimes in, in the process, that the result is going to be uh, ramped up extraction, the destruction even of lands. Well, once again, that's... Um that's a nice argument. It has nothing to do with reality of the situation. The president is dealing with lands that are already owned by the federal government. They have an element of protection. If indeed you do any kind of extraction, it has to go through a land management plan 
but once again requires public input before you implement it. So the idea that we are trying to go out there to protect something that is in dire danger is something that really is a red herring that is thrown up and misinformation again. So all these areas in which the president, he's done this approximately 10 times already, this president, um, well, all these areas are areas that already have an element of protection. They are already managed for for certain protected rights. So you're not actually saving them from something that is in dire danger. The other thing I want to emphasize is the way this has been used. As I said, when it was originally established for Teddy Roosevelt, there were very few environmental laws, very few federal lands that were owned. It was mainly done in the territories. From, from uh, the, the beginning of the Depression till 1976, it was used only nine times by all those presidents. FDR only used it three times in all of his terms. Jimmy Carter then did it 15 times in his four years, Bill Clinton used it 22 times in his last four years. This president has now used it 10 times. So obviously, the way antiquities has been traditionally used and the way it is used today is different. It has morphed in some way. And because presidents are using this much more frequently and they're using it for political reasons, not necessarily for preservation reasons, that is why it is so essential that they do have public input ahead of time before they make the decision So you're not trying to go back like we are doing with the Harriet Tubman designation and fix things that should have been obviously discussed and looked at Mm. before the designation was made. So uh, stipulating your point, and I think um, most would agree that the the act is being used in a different way than it was originally, Uh, and you pointed out some problem uh, areas. But on the other side, there have been uh, national monuments, uh, quite a few, uh, which have been popular, at least after the fact, and have later been turned into national parks, the public really uh, got on board with the idea of creating a national monument in those areas. Well, yes. Um, I'm actually having a little bit difficulty hearing your question oh, oh, or hearing oh, you Oh, sorry about all. that. But, um, but once again, the idea is national parks can only be created by Congress, and that is who does that. So, for example, uh, oftentimes they will throw out the Grand Canyon that was a national monument, one of the first that Teddy Roosevelt did. What they don't tell you is the Grand Canyon was already a national forest before he made it a monument, and when it was created as a national park, that was what Congress did. But the first and the third were done with public input because that's what's required by law. It's just the monument status that was not. So sometimes there is a tendency from some of the interest groups in trying to make their points to exacerbate what was actually taking place and expand what has happened. Uh, The reality is the bottom line is, do you do things either on the executive branch or the legislative branch? Do you do things with public input first, or do you not? And the idea that you do it without public input is something that is counterintuitive to every value that we have. And, and once again, what the Antiquities Act does is give the president a legislative function to do. He needs to make sure he does it with clear public input and follow NEPA. If NEPA is good and has some value, then the president should follow it just like everybody else has to follow it. Congressman, now you have to get going. Just one last question. What, what do you think prospects are in the Senate? Um, having anything pass the Senate is difficult because that's just the way the Senate is acting lately. However, it has been picked up by a senator from Arkansas who is a member of the committee. Good guy. He's excited about it. It illustrates that this is not just a Western issue. This is a concern for the entire country. Uh, 
and there are some there are some opportunities. Uh, if if not, uh, this is an idea that still needs to go forward and will at some time in the future to insist that the public has the right to have input before a president makes a final decision. We've been talking with Congressman Rob Bishop, represents uh, District One in in. Uh in Utah, his uh, H.R. 1459 has passed the House of Representatives, now heads over to the uh, Senate. Congressman, thank you so much. Thank you. We're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we will have a conversation with uh, Tim Wagner from the Sierra Club. Later in the program, retired BLM, BLM official Dennis Willis and State Representative Mike Noel. Your comments and questions welcome at 1-800-826-1495 to our email at upraxis at gmail.com or on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page. More following the break. Next time on Living on Earth, with parts of the Pacific Ocean unusually warm, scientists say an El Nino is likely. When an El Nino happens because of climate change, the floods and the droughts in different places around the world tend to be stronger than they otherwise would be. I'm Steve Kerwood, and just where we can expect those floods and droughts is next time on Living on Earth from PRI. Monday morning at 3 and Wednesday morning at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Wasserman Festival, presenting concert pianist and recording artist Stephen Huff performing works of Brahms, Strauss, and Chopin on Thursday, April 3rd at 7.30 p.m. in the USU Performance Hall. Tickets are at arts.usu.edu. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. We're talking about the 1906 Antiquities Act. And uh, before you go to sleep immediately, that has immediate ramifications uh, for lands, especially in the West, in Utah. U.S. presidents under this act have the power to unilaterally create national monuments. President Obama used this power most recently in March to add some 1,600 acres to the California Coastal National Monument. Representative Rob Bishop, who we just talked to, uh, says that unilateral power is not right. President should have to uh, go on to, uh, through a review process, such as he's suggesting under his bill, H.R. 1459, the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA. This uh, act would also, uh, the bill would also limit presidents from uh, creating monuments, at least under an emergency basis, to one per four-year term. There's some other provisions as well. Uh, proponents of the president's current power uh, say that this is needed. Congress, under its uh, current gridlock, isn't going to create national monuments. We have to protect our national lands, keep the power with the president. Later in the program, we're going to be talking with retired BLM official Dennis Willis and with State Representative Mike Noel, Republican from Kanab. Right now, my conversation from last night with Tim Wagner from the Sierra Club. He was not able to join us this morning, but we uh, explored these issues with him this is recorded. We'll be back live in about uh, 15 minutes. You can join this program at 1-800-826-1495. You can join us at upraxis at gmail.com or on, on our uh, Utah Public Radio Facebook page. So we turn next to, to uh, Tim Wagner from the Sierra Club. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, so maybe you give me the, the thumbnail sketch, and we'll get into this in a little more detail, uh, why we should uh, keep current provisions of the Antiquity Act, which allows the president to unilaterally create a national monument or add to a national monument. Well, I think um, <clears throat> the Antiquities Act has been well demonstrated over the last century plus that it has become a valuable tool 
to protect very important places, places that are very important to Americans all over the country, and it's particularly important um, for that presidential authority when, um, particularly when we have uh, Congress that um, at times has been unable to pass legislation that would protect these kind of places. So when we have stalemates, particularly like what we have in the current Congress and the one even in the 112th Congress, uh, where we have seen literally no wilderness bills passed, um, this gives the president the ability to act and protect places before they become destroyed or, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> destroyed in a way that the public cannot enjoy them. So I, I think it's a very valuable tool, and all indications and all polling shows that the public largely supports the Antiquities Act mm. over the years. Uh, can you can you point to um, specific monuments that that you would hold up as uh, you know particularly good examples of uh, of uh, actions by presidents that you would applaud? Mm, absolutely. Well, you know, the Grand Canyon is probably the best example. I mean, it was um, you know one of the first acts of the uh, proclamation under the Antiquities Act. Uh, uh, President Theodore Roosevelt, who, of course, passed the Antiquities Act in 1906, designated the Grand Canyon, or 800,000 acres of the Grand Canyon, as a national monument, which, of course, later would become a national park. Um, uh, We've seen numerous examples of the popularity of the monument just right here in our own state. You know, places like Natural Bridges, Zion National Park started out as a national monument, Rainbow Rainbow Bridge, uh, Dinosaur National Monument, Bryce Canyon and Arches Canyon and Capitol Reef National Parks all started out as national monuments. Uh, and, of course, Grand Staircase Escalante, which has now been shown to be, to be uh, wildly popular amongst uh, a wide majority of Utahns. So, you know, we have many good examples of where that proclamation and designation has become <clears throat> incredibly popular and useful to locals. Um, and and really a, a, a benefit to the state overall. And uh, talking about some of those that you've pointed out, do you think the trajectory would have been different without uh, the president using that power to uh, create the National Monument? Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. that I mean, you could look at all the, not all, but there have been many, many cases where National Monument uh, designations came about because of the Antiquities Act, and they were, you know, hugely controversial. Um, you know, Grand Teton National Park was certainly one of those that started out as a national monument uh, years ago, and there was a huge backlash. But now, of course, I don't think the state of Wyoming would be willing to give up um, that particular national park. Um, I don't think the state of Utah would be willing to give up Grand Staircase. Maybe some who feel like it'd be better to go away, but I think you would find huge pushback uh, now here 17 years later after the designation. Um, so I think I think there's plenty of evidence, more than enough evidence, to show us that uh, these designations have uh, tremendous benefits to not only local economies but the overall health and and well-being of the state in general. No, of course, opponents of the president's power under the act uh, do point to Grand Staircase, um, and I've read opponents who say that uh, it's you know some of that land uh, okay, that was it's good to protect, uh, maybe not all of it. Locked up a bunch of land which uh, could have been mined for coal, 
and, and they point to um, President Clinton's what they see as a kind of a political political payback or you know political reasons for doing it. Well, I guess I guess two things, Tom, in that regard. Yeah, you know, the monument was controversial when it was created, and um, as many of these such monument designations have been. Um, but you know, the the fact of the matter is that had that particular coal mine been allowed to go through, um, like all fossil fuel developments that we see over and over again, they are boom and bust. Um, certainly, there would have been a lot of good-paying jobs that have come out that would have come out of that mine for a duration of pick a number 20 25 years and then when the coal is gone what do you have you have nothing left in terms of jobs and you have a destroyed landscape the monument designation will be in place for generations to come and the economic benefits of that will only increase including the you know i could cite numerous statistics that show how the economy around grand staircase has been dramatically improved, both in terms of revenues and jobs created because of the monument, where if the coal mine would have been allowed to go through and that place hadn't been protected, you know, after 20 or 25 years, you would have nothing left. You would probably have just, you know, a barren landscape with very few jobs going back to just few ranching uh, operations, and other than that, really not a lot going on. So I think I think the, um, you know, and, and, I, and I recall just two or three years ago on the 15th anniversary of the designation of Grand Staircase, uh, KSL Deseret News did a statewide poll that showed a wide majority of Utahns now in support of the monument, somewhere in the range of 75% or so. So, you know, I think there's naysayers out there, and there always will be, but I think they're totally being lost in the shadows of what turns continually turns out to be a very positive thing for the state. What if you could uh, review with me the, the original intent of 1906 Antiquities Act, specifically these provisions, which you, if you read this, it, it seems to have been, at least uh, at that time, uh, to have a sort of a narrow intent, hence the word, you know, monument, which we think of as a physical, you know, very small area, and it seems to have grown in uh, scope. I, I don't know if you agree with that, and if so, do you think that's okay? Well, yeah, I mean, you read the original intent where it says, you know, <clears throat> this allows the president to reserve or withdraw federal lands containing objects of historic, scientific, or scenic significance. Well, I mean, yeah, you can interpret that in a number of ways. Um, you know, and that would also include um, objects of scientific research. I think, one, it's, it's certainly reasonable to understand that the mindset that existed back at that particular time in this country's history was far different than it is today in terms of the value of vast landscapes and what it means to our culture, what, to our economy, to our just overall societal benefit. And, you know, um, you know, what people regarded as a monument back then doesn't necessarily mean that that's what a monument means today. I mean, you could point to many examples where the vernacular has changed over the course of a century on all kinds of different definitions. And so I think, you know, I think that's really uh, a pretty invalid argument. Um, and, you know, considering the fact that, like I said, Teddy Roosevelt used the act two years after he um, passed the law uh, to establish 
the 800,000-acre Grand Canyon National Monument. So, I mean, they set out pretty quickly uh, a record uh, in terms of designating large landscapes and saw the need to protect those large landscapes for a variety of reasons. Mm. So, you know, I, I think trying to wrestle control of the Antiquities Act in that old frame of what a monument that it should be some type of a, you know, visible structure and not really large landscape. I think that's really uh, an uninformed opinion as well as trying to take about 10 steps backwards in the history of this country. We're talking with Tim Wagner, if you just joined us, from the Sierra Club, and we're talking about the 1906 Antiquities Act, uh, which I, you know, may be fairly obscure except for the provision uh, that the U.S. president uh, has the power under that act to unilaterally create uh, national monuments. And uh, uh, Representative Rob Bishop is uh, proposing with his uh, H.R. 1459 that that be changed, some limitations be placed upon that. We're talking about that on the program today. Tim Wagner uh, joins us uh, for another five minutes. We appreciate him uh, being with us. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about uh, public input. Uh, Representative Bishop uh, says that uh, he wants to have monument designations come under review under National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA. Um, isn't public input uh, a good thing? Absolutely is, and I'm not sure where exactly he gets off saying that, making that kind of accusation. I mean, you could there again point to the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument. When it was uh, designated as a monument by President Clinton, that uh, proclamation also included a public involvement process under the direction of the National Environmental Policy Act, under which the BLM then undertook, uh, I think it was about a three-year process, um, with all kinds of public meetings, stakeholder events. I remember going to several of those myself, where they gathered public input about how that monument should be managed. And, and that pretty much is, I mean, that has, doesn't always fall into place in some of the designated monuments, but it certainly is a valid option. And I think, um, you know, on the area, for example, that our organization is advocating for a monument right now, which is the Greater Canyonlands area down in southeastern Utah, we would fully expect that there be a NEPA public involvement process employed on after the designation takes place because we do want to gather stakeholder input in how the land should be developed so you know i think that argument is that that congressman bishop use is using is it's good rhetoric and and it it's it's easy to say because it gets um his base riled up but it isn't accurate i don't believe it's honest and uh, I think he'd be doing his constituents a bigger favor by telling them the truth of what could really happen here. I wondered, uh, maybe we could conclude with this. Uh, H.R. 1459 has passed the House. Uh, if it were to pass the Senate and be, be signed by President Obama, what, in your view, is, is, is the jeopardy? Maybe you can paint that picture. Should it pass? No, it shouldn't pass. First of all, I don't think it's going to get past the Senate, not in the current current makeup of the Senate, I doubt that it'd even get a hearing. Um, and even if it did pass the Senate, I cannot imagine that President Obama would would allow it to go through. I, I would anticipate that he would veto the bill. Um, he's used the act numerous times already, the largest being a 242,000-acre uh, monument down in New Mexico, the Dio Real del Norte monument, a uh, great area. And, um, you know, and he continues to use it for smaller 
monuments and parcels around the country. I can't imagine that President Obama would go along with that. I think, and I certainly believe, I know for a fact that my organization would fight that tooth and nail to stop that bill from getting passed into law. And I know many organizations around the country would also uh, as well. I think it's a wildly popular law. And when people really understand the facts behind it and what it really means, I think they will support it. I think they do support it, and I don't think they would support Congressman Bishop's attempt to gut it. I think it's a it's a step to, to try to go um, backwards about 50 years in this country, and mm. and I just think it's a wrong approach. So, so backwards 50 years, what do, what would the scenario look like if it were somehow to pass? Um, <clears throat> I think then you would probably see a movement to try to push legislation that would eventually just you know counteract it you know in some some form or another or you know some or try to pass some other legislation that would that would counteract you know this particular law but there again i don't think i don't think it's going to pass i really don't there again i believe it's i believe it's i firmly believe it's way too popular with the american people Mm. they see the benefits of it all they need to do is all they need to do is go to their computer and google national monuments and national parks and see the places that have come about uh, because of this particular act and see the legacy that has left America and, uh, and understand what's at stake if we somehow gut this thing now more than a century after it has passed. I think mm-hmm. that would be a big mistake. That's Tim Wagner from the Sierra Club. I spoke to him uh, last evening. We're talking about the Antiquities Act, specifically the provision under the act that uh, U.S. presidents have unilateral power to create national monuments. Representative Rob Bishop's uh, H.R. 1459, which recently passed the House of Representatives, would place some limitations on the president's power, and uh, that's become a hot topic for us in Utah. A lot of lands and a lot of uh, back and forth over uh, what the president's power should uh, be and what we should do with our lands, of course. You can join us in the program. We hope you will with your perspective, your question, your comment. 1-800-826-1495. Or you can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page or by email to upraxcess at gmail.com. On our Facebook page, Bill Moteni, I uh, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, has responded to Scott Bushman's comment. Scott's comment was uh, that this bill, Representative Bishop's bill, threatens our ability to protect our last best wild places. Scott Moteni says, Scott, you hit the nail on the head again. And Fred Houston on our Facebook page says, uh, Bishop will be gone, this bill will not fly. We bring in next uh, Dennis Willis from Price. Dennis worked for the BLM in Price for 30 years before he retired in 2009. He remains active in land management issues. He operates a land use planning consulting company, Sustaining Landscapes. He's president of the River Management Society and a founding board member of Nine Mile Canyon Coalition. And he comes to us today as a concerned private citizen of rural southeastern Utah. Dennis Willis, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you. Good morning. Pleased to be here. We appreciate you uh, giving us your perspective. So I believe uh, you oppose uh, H.R. 1459. Uh, you believe that uh, the Antiquities Act, the President's power under that, has served us well. Why, why so? Um, you know, if we were just getting around to passing the new Antiquities Act today and it didn't exist, I, I might be very much seduced by the idea of public uh, involvement and going through the NEPA process. Um, but in this case, we've got a law that's been in service for 108 years that has served us incredibly well. It's been used by presidents of both parties 
um, you know, all through uh, all through the last century, and uh, and never have one of these designations ever been deemed to be a monumental error. They turn out to be, uh, as, as Tim was talking about, wildly popular. Um, and and I, I just don't know that uh, we're going to benefit from from it, uh, putting it under the uh, the NEPA process. Mm. Um, now, Representative Bishop pointed out, he pointed out a, a couple of designations that he thought were problematic. One that, that he pointed out was Harriet Tubman National Monument, where I guess the, some private lands were missed. What, what do you think about that? Uh, you know, I'm not familiar with that particular case. I'm not, not, not prepared to, uh, yeah. to, to speak to it. Uh, the little bit I do understand about it, it's not a problem with the monument designation mm-hmm. per se. It was some of the detail. Uh, that wasn't uh, wasn't adequately addressed, uh, but but of course we can always go back and and address detail, and Congress can always go back and and address the whole thing. Mm. So in general, you 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 think it's a pretty much an unqualified success the the Antiquities Act, President's power to create monuments. Oh oh yeah, for sure. And we and, you know if we want to address you know old laws that aren't serving us well, we certainly have a lot of those. Uh, to choose from, but this isn't this isn't one. This is one that has uh, worked out worked out really well for us. What about uh, Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument? This is pointed out. To opponents of the president's power point this out as an example. They say President Clinton was politically motivated here, and that uh, specifically that this uh, designation uh, locked up a lot of coal. Maybe you could talk about economic effects after designation such as that. Uh, sure. Well, I'm not sure that locking up resources is a bad thing. These are national national lands and national resources, and I don't know that it ever hurts to say that uh, we're we're going to put some of these things in the bank and save them for later. You know, if we wind up uh, wind up in a World War II type situation a hundred years from now, we might well want to go after that coal. Um, but but there's no reason for the U.S. as landholder to have all of its mineral wealth open to immediate exploitation. Leaving some in the bank is a good thing. Uh, yeah, so far as the local impacts go, I live in Carbon County, Utah, uh, and just from the name, you can tell that uh, that energy is important to us. Uh, and I look at, at my life here in Carbon. Uh, since 1996, the Grand Staircase was uh, was designated, uh, in our county, we've had uh, four uh, major coal bed methane fields open up, a conventional gas field, a couple of coal mines open up, a sawmill, uh, and 78% of our, of our area is open to uh, oil and gas uh, uh, leasing and development. Uh, and, and in the years since the monument, my county has lost population. Uh, when the monument designation was passed, Kane and Garfield counties had lower per capita and household income than my county does uh, or did at the time. And now that situation is reversed. Those two counties are, do- are doing better. So, you know, maybe President Clinton had political, uh, political uh, motivations for designating the monument, but the monument designation has been good for the counties down there and and leaving things open to uh, energy exploration and development hasn't necessarily been kind to my county uh, finally mr. Willis um, I understand you uh, recently testified before representative Bishop's uh, subcommittee tell me about that 
Uh, yeah, that's that's correct. That was back uh, on February fifth. Uh, I went went back to uh, to D.C. and uh, testified before the uh, Energy and Mineral Subcommittee. Uh, and and the whole uh, theme of the hearing was was one over concern over red tape of uh, allowing local input and having to go through uh, planning and NEPA processes in order to uh, in in order to uh, that those processes were were unnecessary red tape that was strangling oil and gas development on federal lands in the West. Uh, and I just find it kind of a strange position that that that, that uh, protecting landscapes uh, is, is something that should be should be more encumbered with NEPA and local involvement, and and industrializing those same landscapes uh, for the benefit of the oil and gas industry should be streamlined. We've been talking with Dennis Willis, who uh, worked for the BLM and Price for 30 years. He remains active in land management issues. Uh, Mr. Willis, thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much. And uh, we turn next to uh, Representative uh, Mike Newell, Republican from Kanab, serves in the uh, Utah legislature. And uh, uh, you've probably heard his comments before on land use uh, issues. Uh, Representative Newell, welcome to the program. Hello, Tom. Thank you. We appreciate you uh, taking some time. First of all, I want to get your uh, view of uh, Representative Bishop's uh, H.R. 1459. You, you support this? Absolutely. And tell me why. Well, because I think the NEPA process is always uh, a, a good thing to do in any kind of large land transactions uh, as far as the federal government goes. I don't. Uh, the whole idea with NEPA when it was passed was to give get better decisions. It's... Uh, it's incredible that uh, the two guests you had before talk about uh, using the Antiquities Act to establish millions of acres of properties, especially the Grand Staircase, almost two million acres here, and don't want to go through a public process before the decision's made. It's contrary to what their positions have been on almost every single thing we've done in the past. They want to make sure that they get all their input in before they make a decision. It makes no sense to make the decision, then come back and say, well, now, let's see, did we make a good decision? That was the whole purpose of NEPA. And so, you know, they go after the road issue, RS 2477 roads, passed in 1876, it's been revised, the Taylor Grazing Act, 1934, it's been repealed, RS 2477 was repealed, the Mining Act, even the Utah Enabling Act, uh, that one, they don't even look at that, they think that's totally ridiculous to, to look at the Utah Enabling Act that says the, the lands in the state of Utah should have been turned over to the state of Utah. So, a little bit of hypocrisy in both Mr. Willis and uh, uh, Mr. Wagner. Hmm. Uh, what do you think uh, in general about the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument in, in terms of how it's played out after after President Clinton um, designated that in 1996? In uh, you know some polls you look at, uh, people are pleased with it. Um, I, I don't know what you, your view is. Well, my view is is that had we gone through a process. Uh, and here's another issue here. Let me just bring this up as far as we're talking about right now in a planning effort. But there are certain places that need to be protected. For these individuals like Mr. Wagner and others to say that we can't protect these places in 2014 with so many laws out there, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, the Visual Resource Management, it's absolutely ludicrous when they say things like destruction and, and, and industrialization of public lands. That's the biggest joke I've ever heard. That's not, there's nothing industrialized. It takes forever to get a permit. 
and when it's when they're finished they put up the the companies and individuals put up all kinds of mitigation monies and bonds to protect those lands I can go out and show you on the Grand Staircase that they made a national monument. It's in a wilderness area. There's over a thousand drill holes out there. You can't even see them because they've all been mitigated. So, absolutely false. The information that comes out for the environmental groups and uh, it plays to their base. They talk about it playing to Rob Bishop's base. It plays to their base, which is a very small base in Utah. If you look at the the, the legislature and the people they represent, they absolutely are opposed to the Grand Staircase. So the people in the legislature, the majority of them, are against the creation of the staircase. Certainly we're not against uh, national parks, but the way this was created was simply wrong. It was a political trick to help Mr. Clinton when he got into office or when he was in trouble, and he sold out to his uh, special interest groups like Sierra Club and SUA so that he could get votes. That's the wrong way to, pu- to manage public lands. Tom, in my mind. Mm. We have a caller, uh, Richard in St. George. Richard, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, well, I um, was listening to a conversation uh, with the uh, one of the former uh, people you were interviewing from the Sierra Club, and he, he kind of pressed upon that he felt that in all cases, national parks were a good thing. Now, I'm going to agree with Mike Noel here. Uh, I'm from St. George, but as a kid, I, I grew up going up to the Boulder Mountains and visiting the Grand Escalante Staircase Monument, and it's it's beautiful out there. However, the way the plan, the whole Grand Staircase was written off and structured, it took a large swath of land where no one visits it. It's called the Great Smoky Mountains, and the reason it's called the Great Smoky Mountains is because you have smoke rising out of the mountain. And what that is, that's coal being burned underground. All right? Now, this coal that's out there is a special type of coal. It's a low-sodium coal, which means when it's burned, it puts out very little CO2. It burns very cleanly. And when they drew up that plan, they took off the entire section that was being mined, and they put it under the, the Grand Escalante Staircase Monument. Now, Many people believe the reason that happened was because the only other place low sodium coal is mined is in the Philippines, and it's owned by a U.S. company. With that mine opening, it would have gave more competition to that company because it was in the house. And uh, so a lot of people believe Bill Clinton not only signed that for environmental reasons, but also to align his own pockets because U.S. companies were paying him off to prevent competition for the low-sodium market. Now, I have nothing against national parks or national monuments. However, it's an absolute lie to say that the economic output is better with the national monument there than without. We all know the amount of money that would be spent on engineering, the amount of jobs, high-paying jobs to bring into the area. But with the national monument there, it's put some towns into bankruptcy. I mean, you go to some of these towns, and they're a wreck because there's nothing going on there. So I, I just disagree with the notion that national monuments have brought any economic output to these small areas of Utah. Mm. Richard, thank you. Thank you for, for calling in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Representative Noel, your, your, your reaction, you, do you agree with this? Well, yeah, There's the, 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 one of the statements was made that 
our economy's in better shape than it was. That's absolute malarkey. Need to come down and talk to our county commissioners here and what's happened. Our public school system, uh, we've gone from a 2A school down to a, almost a 1A school now. We've got less and less kids in our community here. The businesses are having problems. Uh, the only businesses that are striving uh, or surviving are tourist-oriented, and uh, it's, it's a really tough situation for people to get jobs and have good jobs because the, the recreational industry doesn't pay good wages. So it's tough in Garfield County. It's tough in Kane County, and these resource jobs are important. The other part of it is this. The Grand Staircase, for instance, we had a great movie filming industry, over 160 films filmed. You can't film a movie in the Grand Staircase. We had a recreational run, which is called the Grand to Grand. We started clear up on top of the, the mountain up in the Kaibab to the Grand Canyon. When you got in the National Monument, you couldn't even run a race in the National Monument because it's commercial. Don't you think that would have been good input to put into this plan before it was devised? The people that have come in and have managed the monument are not traditional BLM people. Some of them are. Those are the ones we get along with. They brought in park surface people, uh, people from Sierra Club and others with a single-use uh, uh, mentality that we can't do anything in these areas here. They've tried to close down our roads. We've been in lawsuit after lawsuit because we can't even ex access these lands. They've pushed on our grazing enterprises here. Even hunting is more difficult because of the way they deal with this. For Mr. Willis to say that, oh, we need to save all this coal and these resources for the future because it belongs to the people of the United States. Well, what about the Federal Man Land Policy Management Act that said the mineral resources are shared equally, the, the reserves, with the state of Utah and our school children there? When they shut down access and when they shut down the ability to develop these lands, they shut down monies to our school trust system. They lock up the trust lands in these monuments, which are then uh, pretty much isolated, so the monies that would go to school children are gone. This is an excellent law to try to get some reason and rationality to the process, to give this much power to a president from a 1906 law, and I'll use their, their, their statements that, oh, 1906, we needed to protect them. We probably did back then when the law was passed, needed something. But if you go back and research when they were arguing the law, and, it, and you go back and read the statutes, it says, or the, the discussion in Congress that said to the gentleman from Texas, how large do you think these monuments will be? Do you think they'll be over uh, 100 acres? Yeah, possibly. How about 600 acres? Oh, I don't see them being much over 600 acres. Now we've got 1.8 million acres, and every president has done this. Every president has used it to build a legacy. That's why Congress has control over the disposition of the public lands. That's why they should be the ones that have control. And even though the process is slow and cumbersome, it should be something that uh, takes a long time to set apart a piece of property, a million acres, in the sovereign state of Utah, and all the lands that are also designated as areas of critical environmental concern, you can't build here, you can't build there. If you don't think that doesn't have an impact on the economy of the state of Utah, you've been living in, in, on, in la-la land, and that's exactly what's happened in Utah. We have a difficult time managing our budget because of the federal government in the state of Utah and the control they have over the federal lands and the adjacent private lands and the lands that are encompassed by the monument. Many lands, private properties, are completely surrounded by the monument or at least partially surrounded by the monument. 
we're talking about uh, we're talking about the Antiquities Act uh, on the program today. Uh, that would be a little known act, except that uh, it uh, includes a provision that gives the uh, president the power to unilaterally create national monuments. Representative Rob Bishop has uh, proposed uh, HR 1459, which would place some limitations on that power. That passed the House of Representatives. It heads now to the Senate. We're talking about that today. A few more minutes left in our conversation. You're welcome to join us at 1-800-826-1495. You can join us on our Utah Public Radio Facebook page, or you can join us uh, by phone, one 800 2-6-1-4-9-5. Representative, we're talking with Representative Mike Noel, a Republican from Kanab, serves in the state legislature. Just a couple of uh, things. One, uh, you've outlined uh, in your area, Grand Staircase Escalante, at least in your view, has not been an economic boon. In fact, as you uh, paint the picture, quite the opposite. Some areas uh, do benefit greatly. Uh, tourism uh, goes up and the businesses associated with that. Um, that would be perhaps an argument for designating these national monuments? Well, my area includes all those national parks. I have more national parks in my district, Tom, than any other person, and there's no question that there are economic benefits. The, the, the situation is this, though. If you create parks, just if you create national recreation areas, yes, that's something that can be bought positive. But the way the environmental organizations and the single-use entities do this, they want to shut out other uses. They want to shut down every kind of use. And I'm saying that they can exist on a multiple-use basis, that people can access these areas. You can continue to graze cattle. There are areas where you could, in fact, not within the parks themselves, but adjacent to the parks. Heavens, we tried to develop this coal mine in in Alton, Utah, on mostly private property with federal minerals, and we've been able to develop it. And because you can see it from 30 miles away, or not even see it from 30 miles away, we've had to go through every kind of, of hoop and and lawsuits and and environmental assessments just to be able to develop a coal mine on private property. It's been a very difficult process. It really has to deal with these things. And so when you create a monument, it's not just the monument, it's the adjacent lands. It's the Class 1 air, the Class 1 scenery, and whatever you can see from it seems to be also encompassed within the boundaries of a national monument. So it's overreach. And to give one man, one individual, the president, the authority over this is ridiculous, especially 100-plus years since the act was written. If they don't think, if the environmentalists don't think that there is a way to deal with the issues that you would have on these public lands in terms of development, why are they continue taking us to court, suing us? Why are they going in and we can't even, we can't even deal with our forests right now, in the Kaibab National Forest, the buildup of timber and the fires that we're having. They're literally, with their lawsuits and the things that they do, they're really destroying our forests. They'd rather see them burned down than to have them logged. Uh, this new one they're proposing on the, on the Arizona Strip would impact Kane County, would impact the entire United States because that's some of the best uranium supplies in the entire world. And it doesn't impact the grant. The, uh, the EIS that they did on it does not impact anything in the Colorado River or the, or the National uh, Park there, the... Uh, Grand Canyon National Park, but yet they continue to push and continue to push. Uh, we made this uh, we made this monument down there, the uh, Parashant Monument, and now they want more. It never ends, and this is playing to their base. This is a group of people, and it's a very small group. When you take the people in the state of Utah and the state of the United States, in the United States, it's a very small group of very selfish, self-centered people that all they want is to have things their way. I, I know I've got land in Utah I can come to, and no one else can use it. So it's a very selfish, self-centered motivation in my mind with these organizations push. 
We just have a couple of minutes left. I want to get this email in from Joe. Uh, hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Kotinik. He says, I think in today's political climate, it's critical for the president to make executive decisions on the designation and protection of wilderness. Our Congress and its elected officials are impotent to see the big picture of environmental issues due to the economic lens that our representatives choose to see the landscape with. That's uh, Joe's uh, comment. Uh, your, your reaction, Representative? Well, wilderness to me is one of the ones that is absolutely uh, the single-use problem, one of the most single-use-oriented uh, land designations you can have and it it affects everything it affects our ability to manage these lands uh, we've got we've got modern uh, ways that we can manage lands it doesn't mean you allow them to just be overgrown with timbers till a forest fire burns it allows you to go in and do some vegetative manipulation there's things you can do in wilderness utah legislature passed the first state wilderness act in the state of uh, in the united states this last session i supported that because I think there are ways that you can, in fact, protect these special places, but not have it so cumbersome that if you have to go in there and, and do something and mitigate it, if you have to go in, for instance, and, and put an underground line through there and mitigate it because it's important to a community that you can do some things with it. But the way they have this wilderness set up where you can't even bring a bicycle in there or any kind of mechanized uh, 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 anything you ride, or, or it's, it's crazy, or, or film a movie. It doesn't make any sense that you can't go in and film a movie, be in there for a few days and film a beautiful movie so other people can see it in other places. It's just so restrictive. It just ties the hands of the agencies. It ties the hands of the state, and it's just wrong. This, and to give one man unilateral authority to go in and say, I'm going to designate wilderness like he has all the answers with no input, with no NEPA, with no input from the local public, no input from the state, no input from the people that might affect their private properties, how would he feel if they went in and, and took his private property and said, you can't use this now because it's adjacent to a wilderness area, or you can't uh, develop this property because it's adjacent to a wilderness area? It's, it's a takings is what it amounts to. So I'm, I'm totally against that. Uh, and uh, we'll uh, conclude with uh, a caller, uh, Mitch, in Cedar City. Mitch, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Well, I just uh, wanted to say how happy I am to have Mike Noel on your station this morning. He is the voice of reason on this issue and is the best informed person in the state of Utah about it. And I'm glad to have him as our representative from Southern Utah because he says the things that we all feel in this area, and I appreciate him. Barack Obama has no idea what's happening in Southern Utah right now, and I thank God for Mike Noel. Thanks. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Mitch. Uh, so, Representative uh, Noel, did, did final comments on this? You you support uh, passage of H.R. 1459. What do you think is going to happen with it? Well, I think it's going to pass the House. I don't think it's going to hearing the Senate. But when the when the uh, when the Senate changes this fall and will change, there's no question about it. Republicans can take control and some reason will come into the process. It will pass there, and then two years from there, when a Republican president comes in, we'll be able to put NEPA in place and maybe change some of these things that have locked up our country and kept us in this stagnant situation across the country and where people can't get jobs and we've we've hurt our economy here we've got a we've got a revival in oil and gas in north dakota we could have the similar situation in utah with oil shell i'm for i'm for solar power and other issues too but 
we got to take it all. We've got to have all the energy that's out there to move our country forward. Thanks for the opportunity to speak to you today, Tom. Okay. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, thanks, Representative Mike Noel, from, uh, Rep- Republican from Canab. Concluding the program, earlier we heard from Tim Wagner from Sierra Club, retired BLM official Dennis Willis, and we began the program with Representative Rob Bishop. This conversation can continue. Uh, we hope that it uh, will. Uh, And you can do that uh, on our Facebook page and on our website, upr.org. For producers uh, Katie Swain and uh, Bennett Purser, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks so much for listening today. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan, offering breakfast Monday through Saturday beginning at 7 a.m., featuring quiche, granola with layers of yogurt and fruit, or a ciabatta fried egg bun with bacon, avocado, and provolone, and by Colligan Water of Cache Valley, family-owned and operated for more than 62 years, providing Colligan bottled water, salt delivery, or soft and conditioned water. Hey, Colligan Man, service from the man in blue. Online at logan.colliganman.com. Commentator Thad Box. Some years ago, I climbed the Oregon Mountains east of Las Cruces, New Mexico, and sat in a rock shelter near a place where the oldest corn in the United States was found. I looked at petroglyphs on the rocks near me, and I grazed out over the lush, irrigated farms, the housing developments, and the intersection of two busy interstate highways. And I wondered if our civilization would also go the same way as those who made the petroglyphs in the shelter I had invaded. Coming down the mountain, I took a shortcut across a dry, barren, west-facing slope. There, with no trees anywhere in sight, was an ancient stump with weathered axe marks still showing. As the sun went down, I sat and wrote, On desert ridge, bare save yucca, cacti, and woody scrub, a stump clings, a relic of a gentler time. Viejos cannot remember cedar on that dry west-facing slope, though centuries the tree grew. It fell in modern times. It stood proud against drought and twisting wind, a rare dark green dot on a purple hill. A pioneer climbed that hill, swung his axe, removed the life that clung to stone. Did it make vigas for adobe hut, spokes for wagon wheel, a fire to warm a newborn babe in rare Mesilla snow? The axeman, judge him not. He was a product of a harsher time. This year, 2014, let us assess our role in a rapidly changing, challenging time. Let us judge not the people who overgrazed the rangelands, or plowed up our prairies, or drained our aquifers, or fouled our air, or changed our climate by denying what we did to the earth. Let us instead examine our individual role in what we do to the world of tomorrow. This is Thad Box. This is Utah Public Radio, KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KCEU Price, and KUSU FM HD1 Logan.